Welcome to the Vast Institute's A Taste of Original Thinking podcast series. My name's Michelle Sherman, and today we are here to discuss the illuminated thinking of innovation design with Jim Cohen. Very happy that he's here. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Let me first talk to you about original thinking. What is original thinking? Well, our world and current situation in life requires new and innovative solutions. And innovative thinking is born out of our appreciation of Albert Einstein, one of our favorite thought leaders at the Vast Institute, who said, we cannot solve our problems at the same level of thinking we used when we created them. Have you ever been stuck in a situation in life where you had tried everything you could think of and it still hadn't shifted, it still hadn't worked, you still hadn't gotten what you really truly felt was uh, proper and healthy for you? Well, our minds are like rivers. They flow to where they've been before and they kind of get stuck in the unwanted eddies of life. The Vast Institute is here to support and liberate you from the unwanted of eddies of life in self-awareness, professional development, leadership, relationship wisdom, emotional wisdom, and of course, creativity. Our Taste of Original Thinking podcasts examine the best hits of Vast's three decades of enlightened business practices, approaches, and ideas. With our clients and community in hand, we are creating amazing outcomes throughout the world because people believe that original thinkers are folks who also have a lot of heart. They share their wisdom and they share their radiance and their truly brilliant ideas. Today we have a special guest, Jim Cohen, who is founder and creative inspirational director at Spark, a transformative brand and authenticity pod, and he's here to share his insights on illuminated thinking, innovation design, human behavior, and cultural transformation. I am very excited to introduce Jim. He is someone that I have known for probably two decades, and we have done some very exciting, adventurous travels together to bring goodwill to different parts of the world. He's still doing that throughout uh, his professional life, and as a Sherpa, I want to say thank you for landing on our shores Jim, and bringing your wisdom with you. Welcome. Great to have you here. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. This, it feels very special to continue a conversation that we began a long time ago in a new format on in a very special time in our lives. So uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks. Yeah, and Jim, I have to say that all of the work that you've been doing on innovation design and branding and really bringing some of the most cutting-edge solutions to business and to corporate realms, we call that conscious commerce. So we really appreciate all the work that you've been doing on raising the bar as far as the way people show up in the business uh, community and in sure profits are part of uh, life. They're just not about, about profits. So thank you very much for the, right. your work in being on the cutting edge. Uh, Jim, you're a design wizard by training. What brought you to the area of innovation design and, and the fact that you're so passionate about it? It's just great to hear more about what that is. I, I know that some of our listeners have not heard the definition. I believe that, yep. would, you, would you be so kind as the expert to share with us what innovation design is? Uh, so a little bit about innovation design and uh sometimes referred to as human-centered design or design thinking. And in those words is kind of the key of, of why I do this. So 
one of the interesting things that I discovered as, as a design person is that design thinking or how designers think about solving complex problems is a new terrain. And, and it's been pioneered over the last 20 or 30 years or so by a variety of institutions and firms, probably most notably IDEO in their emergence from industrial design into full-fledged human-centered design. But it's about understanding human behavior, having real empathy for the soul of things, and being able to use that as a guide to manifest new solutions, be they products or services or systems. And so innovation design taps into our humanness, understands the world out there in business, and creates new solutions for the future. And briefly, that's that's kind of the system of innovation design. I got into this really a long time ago in a very different way than most. I was trained as a fine artist. I grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in the 60s, and it was a very fertile experience, a very interesting time to be alive in New York. I was Mm -hmm. lucky. I simply was born there. But this whole notion of being an artist grew into my working in a design firm in the architectural interiors world. We built it up to be quite a big business and sold it to a public corporation. And from that moment, which was the early 90s, I got into helping businesses identify what they stand for, what their soul is all about. And not just sort of the business, but the leaders of business so that we can take that information and point it out there into the future to make something really compelling for folks and for the organization itself. I really appreciate what you were saying about putting your soul on the line, Jim, and being part of a trend where people have made business an important and essential part of improving the world. So let me ask you something. What do you mean when you talk about going into C-suites and having people put their soul on the line? Yeah, so I think this is a very important and often overlooked issue. When we work with clients, there's this notion here of being self-aware first. So uh, back to our our notion about the soul of things, we really want to understand what the values of people are. And from a leadership standpoint, what do the leaders of businesses believe in? What do they really believe in? so that we can then form the future out of those beliefs. And what's interesting is most folks don't appreciate that while that may be an interesting exercise and it births um, some momentum about what we're designing, it's also the place we come back to when the chips are down, uh, when things get rough, because we can lean back into our values and say, ah, this is what we believe in. This is how we have to go forward. Otherwise, we're out of integrity. Absolutely. I so appreciate you bringing up the integrity, Jim, because it's very easy to go into an organization and the mission statement is absolutely stellar. And then to see whether or not behaviors and choices and uh, difficult decisions align with that. At VAST, we talk about conscious commerce and that is about trust, respect and mutual benefit. How do you see the empathy piece, the social intelligence piece, the bringing in of the, I guess, vulnerability, the genuineness piece, enhancing the outcomes? The notion of human-centered design is named because there is this notion of humanness 
built into it. In other words, to, to be effective as a business person, as a leader, as a human these days, it's important to understand the human condition. And in our eyes, empathy is about that. It's about truly understanding our humanness, our vulnerability, the things we can open up to and the things that we believe in. And when we're looking at designing what's next, we also have to have high regard for the humans that we are selling things to, the humans that are our clients. And without that sense of self-awareness about empathy and our own humanity, we tend to not design things very well. So imagine if we were trying to design, for instance, a coffee cup and didn't understand how the hand worked or when people drink coffee. So understanding human behavior, understanding the soul of ourselves and others is vital to creating what's next. It's going back to that deep well of empathy. And I appreciate that. It's it's a choice, though. People can employ empathy or they can employ um, other motives. I think uh, I had read yeah. recently that the Business Roundtable, which is a group of very highly regarded uh, corporations, changed their charter from serving shareholders to serving stakeholders. And serving stakeholders is about clients, the people who work for you, the people who are getting, um, you know, who are in the C-suite, people who are running the management teams, the people who are coming up with the uh, innovative developments and ideas. And I really appreciated that switch. It's subtle, but it reflects mm-hmm. what you're talking about, Jim. Wonderful. So self-awareness. We talk about self-wisdom at the Vast Institute and wholeness because most people are they're a little unsure of how to do what you're talking about. And if it's possible, that's why we believe original thinking, positive imagination is a key component. If you cannot imagine it possible, it's the chances of it happening are nil. So it takes imagination to create these outcomes. How do you stoke the positive imagination of the people you work with? That's a great question. Uh, And having just come from doing a a bunch of pretty deep workshops before the world stopped, one of the techniques is about this sort of unconditional view of an optimistic future. So there's there's a little trick that we use with, with clients, and the trick is this. It's a mind game. Imagine if we're pursuing the design of something uh, new and, and kind of hard to get our arms around, like a uh, compelling future for the city of Chicago where racism is eradicated. It's a project I actually just did. Love it. Before the pandemic. Love it. And so what happens in our minds is we go, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's too hard to even consider or it's way out of reach. And it would take all of these things to come to, together to realize. And the game is this. Imagine that it's five years from now and we've already done it. We're successful. The question we have is, how did we get there? And suddenly your mind goes, wait, okay, so that part I can start to figure out. And it creates a sense of optimism and uh, sort of the, 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 the ability to see that we've done it and accomplished it already before we have and allows this openness of innovation, which means getting a lot of ideas on the wall and considering eventually which ones would succeed. 
the notion of how might we think uh, get there is really important in this. I was going to say, what do you do about the negative? I talk about negative Nellies. You know, those people who are trying to protect us by making sure we know that there's impending doom around every corner, and they have a place in the They're world. Right. We love their solutions and their testing yes, of every everything that we do. We love them, but I'm just wondering, how do you bring those folks with you in this environment? Just just from one facilitator yep. to another. <laughs> Right. Your little secret for everybody listening. <laughs> right. These are the secrets, folks. Okay. No, this um, is, this is so really here's, helpful. Here's, <laughs> one, one, little, one important issue here is, is diversity. And I know it's kind of an overused word, but I, when I say diversity, I mean when we do this work, the group of people in the room to do it, and this is for a continued period of time. It's just not like an overnight sensation. They are diverse. They're from all different kinds of backgrounds within an organization and sometimes outside of the organization. We also bring the, the nervous Nellies and people that are the skeptics and naysayers in the room too. We want that point of view because see the negative point of view, which could be judged as negative may fundamentally have within it a kernel of something that we should be paying attention to. And when we stop paying attention to that, we could go off in a direction that really is not well thought through. So while the negativity may be the surface of the, the, the person, the underlying issue is some notion of fear that we have to untap. So I say, bring them in the room, right. have a diverse crowd mm-hmm. in there too, and let's hear about it. Because if we don't discuss it, we're never going to get there. Right. And let's make it safe. And we talk about uh, psychological safety because that takes a real gift. And when that occurs, wow, the the outcomes are are monumental. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite things. Okay, what do you consider to be authenticity? I know that we're talking here about soul. We're talking about empathy as it relates to creating uh, culturally profound solutions through brand and corporate choices, those that impact thousands and thousands of people, hundreds and thousands, millions. And when people are sitting in the room and we're discussing how to put forward our values and things of that nature, there needs to be a real sense of genuineness. So let's talk a little bit about your perspective on authenticity and uh, where that fits into the paradigm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think of you often when, when I go to this place, because years ago we talked about in, in various trainings, the stuff that we crawl over broken glass for, you know, the stuff that we really believe. And I put that to clients often. We do a lot of deep values work because to me that, that opens up the notion of the truth and the truth leads us to authenticity. So brands and experiences that are based on a set of values that come from the heart of the people that run the business will always liberate us in business. Their application is one thing, but understanding that these are the things that we believe in that you cannot take away from us gives us both authenticity and a place to stand in a market that is original, that can be shaped and formed. But it, the real authenticity comes from the things that we stand for, the values, the truth that we hold dear, and they need to be expressed, and they need to be expressed in a very 
human language. I sort of bristle at the, uh, you know, write the write the mission statement and put it in the reception room. Right. And then everybody forgets <laughs> that we have one. <laughs> or what, I don't know what it says. Or Beautiful it turns frame. into a word smithing exercise, right? But we love the frame. It says something. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> <Better>. <laughs> I love it. I, better we should <laughs> better we should we should go down the path of so these are the things that we stand for. These are our values. These values inform our business and the things that we do and say and make. And eventually we as designers get to this weird place called design principles, which are the directives that allow those values to come come through in the work that we do. So to your original question, the notion of authenticity to me is, is based on the truth and getting the truth out there for folks and trusting that, that we can make this real in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. We call that positive imagination. I love it. And what you're saying, Jim, if I hear you correctly, is it's not about the truth. It's about owning my truth standing for it, being willing to discuss it with my colleagues, my family, my community, the people that uh, it's important for me to cooperate or to create something larger than myself with, and then move into a place of, okay, how can we get uh, people's needs met in a respectful and uh, an inclusionary manner? From the designer's viewpoint, it's how do we manifest this? So here's what these wonderful people are saying to us. What do we do with that? And so um, we want to turn that into something compelling that we can put out there in the world. And I would say in today's world, it's even more important than it was, let's say, 90 days ago. Because what we have to lean back into are these truths about ourselves and the way we pursue the world and operate in the world in today's climate. It's a statement of, of who we are and what we stand for. Is that is that what you're saying, Jim? It is. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I, you know, you've had like 35 years of working with corporations, not-for-profits, gutsy startups, and you've mentored people you, you teach at colleges. You're very generous with your time and your expertise and your wisdom. If you have uh, someone listening in today who needs to hear something that might really apply to their their humanity, their life, you know, it's, it's not about the businesses we run or it's about the lives we lead. We've had that conversation. What sorts of things would you want them to be focusing on at this point in time? I mean, what would you say is important for people to be focusing on, Jim? So it's a bit back again to the things that we believe in. Uh, Often I ask people, what do you love to do? Not what do you like to do? What do you love to do? And what do you believe in? So in times when everything feels like it's swirling around, the place that we come back to is this notion again of the things that we love and perhaps one of the things we love is love and extending that out to folks. No one can take that away from you as an individual or as a business. I've been asked a lot lately in this tumult, you know, what do we do in the downturn? How, how do we deal with our people when we actually have to cut downsize, scale back, do the kinds of things that are very hard to do, especially if you have compassion. And I think the, the, the answer is do it with compassion, do it with love, allow the business to live if it can. And for the folks that can't be there anymore, allow them to move forward with, with grace. That's business stuff in the context of humanness, 
So we come back to the things that we believe in and hold them dear. And also what you're saying, Jim, very clearly is that you Uh, If you say that you believe in compassion and empathy and you meditate and you get people together for the book group, uh, the luncheon book group on positivity, when things are tough, you can still exercise all of that compassion and genuineness in ways that are understandable. They've done studies at Harvard that indicate with empathy and compassion, even the most difficult messages are understood and received. And people are very open to the truth. So what else would you just like for, before I get to my final question, anything about innovation design, authenticity, empathy, any anything that you just like to touch base on before we bring this talk to a close? This is new terrain for many people. And as you mentioned, I, I work with lots of different kinds of organizations both big and small over the years. And I think when we start to talk about human-centered design or design thinking, it's often not really understood or comprehended. And so the opportunity here is to say to folks, this is the way the future unfolds. In the hands of people that are sensitive to these issues, both looking into organizations about what they believe in and looking out there in the world to help to find an opportunity space that this business can occupy based on the things they believe in. Those two things coming together create innovation, create the future, create what's new and what's next with integrity. And that's the, that's the process that we're involved in, in the world of innovation design and human-centric design. And it's, it's worth noting. And the fact that this is a way of really truly uh, treating people with respect it's like you're bringing yep. to physical form these values of human-centric, compassionate, empathetic uh, design practices. And bringing things into human form, that's great. And then I love it because I, uh, what we, we help with a lot of that, but we also help with strategies because people, Jim, they, the how is okay, but it's also the understanding that people have to kind of stumble a little bit before they figure everything out. And to be able to be in that place of, we don't always know everything, but we know where we're going, that is a phenomenally powerful approach. I love it. Let me ask one more question, and that is, we were talking about illuminated thinking and innovation design. So I know that you're a deeply spiritual man and that you care about the future of the world and the planet and all of that. So you're talking about humanity and the best in us and optimism. I have my own ideas about that being pointing to the illuminated thinking because that's how I see it. But I'd like to just ask, what would you like our listeners to think about when they think about the future illuminated thinking and innovation design? Yeah, I think we have never been more pushed and more have more potential in shaping an optimistic future. And in some ways, those two forces have come together. I watch young design teams and young business teams uh, at Kellogg, for instance, where I get to mentor uh, innovation teams, coming up with business solutions geared to not only the pandemic, but the revitalization of our economies and healthcare. And so I say we have to be overtly optimistic. We have to hold beliefs dear. And that creates kind of a, a new illuminated way to pursue life 
and business together. It's trusting in other people. It's putting very diverse groups of people together to solve complex problems. It's busting away any prejudice that's in the way of that to create something marvelous and new. And I see this in young people all the time, and we have to let it flourish. It's our obligation. Thank you, Jim. Beautifully said. I just really, truly want to say thank you, and I appreciate you for being here today, talking with us about the illuminated thinking and innovation design, because I know that what you do is you are at the cutting edge of transforming our culture to reflect the compassion, to reflect the empathy, to reflect all of the best in us. And I just want to say that I am deeply touched by that. And for those of you who are interested about knowing a little bit more about Jim, he is at Spark. You can talk with him through us. He does transformation, branding, authenticity. And he is someone who I think we will have back many times because of his wisdom and absolute vision for a beautiful future. And you know that we're dedicated to stimulating optimism about the future of humankind. So what I'd just like to say is we've built vast around a simple premise. What I do matters. This idea was created through original thinking and is not only our tagline, but reflects our commitment to personal responsibility as an empowering perspective. Listening to Jim talk about authenticity and genuineness and how that can be transformed into solutions that honor people, it's just brilliant. And when we take responsibility for creating those kinds of solutions, we create and have an impact on those around us and we amplify our success and influence in the world. If you would like to become an original thinker and create a quality of life beyond your imagination, please visit our website at www.vastinstitute.com where you can review our courses, subscribe to our newsletter, hear about blogs from our guest bloggers and uh, original thinkers, and we'll keep you informed of our latest offerings. So please call us, see us, and we will speak with you soon. Have a great day.